0: The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their healthcare practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest is pediatrician Robert Sears. Robert Sears is the author of The Vaccine Book and The Autism Book and co-author, along with William Sears, of the bestsellers The Baby Book and The Portable Pediatrician. Robert Sears is here today to talk about his latest book, also co-authored with William Sears, The Allergy Book, Solving Your Family's Nasal Allergies, Asthma, Food Sensitivities, and Related Health and Behavioral Problems. Welcome to Health Watch, Dr. Robert Sears.
1: Um, Thank you, Dr. Naiman. I'm very happy to be on the show.
0: So one of the things that The Allergy Book starts out with is really... Making clear just how common um, allergies are as a medical problem, perhaps the most common medical problem faced by people today. And we don't really know why they're on a steady rise, but there are some thoughts about why that may be the case. What are some of the thoughts around why allergies have become problem number one for Americans?
1: Yeah, it's a g- great question. Um, you know, we, we think it has a lot to do with the environment and how humans interact with the environment. Uh, We know that um, a number of research studies have shown environmental toxins, pollutants, um, plastics, various chemicals, um, insecticides, all those toxins change the human immune system and make us more susceptible to allergies. Um, We think uh, genetically modified foods might play some role in this as well. uh, and then a lot of it has to do with how we treat our bodies in the early part of our life. Um, uh, the overuse of antibiotics really changes our intestinal health that sets us up for allergic problems as we get older and um, um, unhealthy diets. Too much sugar also interferes with our intestinal immune balance. and. Um, and then there's certainly some genetic changes uh, that we're seeing in, in our species that we think are, are making our immune systems less healthy. And so there's, there's a whole host of things, uh, uh, Dr. Naaman, that, that might be contributing. And then maybe, you know, some of these changes we can control and influence uh, during our young lives um, to, that might hopefully help us get healthier as we get older.
0: One of the things that I, I really liked about the allergy book was having us step back from what we think of an allergy doing and really noticing how many different areas of the body and a, a, a chronic allergy can affect. And, and you, list, you list several in the book that it affects nearly all systems of the body, the skin, the gut, the lungs the immune system and the nervous system. So what are some of the, the chronic effects of living with a heightened allergy response over over a long period of time for people?
1: Well, it really has to do a lot with the, the end result of, of the allergic process, which is inflammation. Our immune system just simply giving off a lot of irritating chemicals in all our different body tissues, I mean, we, we feel these uh, immune chemicals right away as allergic reactions. But, you know, you know, long-term, it's more than just a little runny nose or itchy skin or minor wheezing. All of our, our body organs, um, especially the, the lungs, for example, you know, just the continuous irritation from these immune chemicals really create a lot of wear and tear. And And our lung tissues, for example, if you suffer from chronic asthma, our lung airways literally get get harder and more firm, you know, less flexible. The older we get, and it really sets us up for, you know, far worse breathing problems when we get older. Um, if you're living your your whole life with asthma, but that's just one thing. You know, the the nervous system really uh, suffers as well. The health of our brain, you know, the you know how well our nerves work, the, the clarity of our thinking, our memory all those things are affected by chronic inflammation
0: and then we also have a uh, increased incidence of of developing other allergies later on if we don't address the allergies we have now
1: yeah correct and and that's one thing i like to stress to my young patients you know i'm i'm a pediatrician so i see kids you know when they're young and if you have a baby with with eczema you know or some food allergies really irritated skin uh eczema can really change into chronic sinus and nasal allergies as kids get older but then that can even progress into asthma you know as you go through childhood there's this kind of this domino effect as each body system starts suffering more and more from allergies and then that's kind of why it's it's incredibly important to address your allergic problems when the kids are young try to solve them early before your child progresses into to asthma um, because once you're stuck with asthma, it, it's even more of a challenge to try to get a, get rid of your chronic allergies, and you might be stuck with it lifelong or it might require a lot more work you know, to get to the bottom of it.
0: Well, given that asthma, eczema, and hay fever travel in families often, what are some of the interventions if you do have a, an infant or a, a toddler with, with one of those uh, to try to prevent the development of other problems later on?
1: Yeah, I think that the key is, is, first of all, if you have an allergic problem, get allergy testing. I mean, you really want to try to get to the bottom of it and try to find either the foods or the environmental exposures that you're reacting to. And if you can eliminate those from your life, uh, then then your job might actually be done. In fact, I almost hope that a patient I'm seeing for allergies has a simple allergy, such as maybe to milk or to a wheat or corn or eggs, maybe a single thing you can take out of their life and let their body calm down. Where the challenge is, though, is if you're allergic to multiple things. Myself, personally, I'm allergic to, um, to mold and dust, certain pollens, and I think i have some some mild allergies to food as well um but once you track those things down, you can eliminate or at least limit them in your life and um and you might not suffer as much and then your you know other allergic problems can actually go away if you're limiting if you're eliminating the the actual cause you know, the The greater challenge comes though when when you don't find a cause you know in allergy testing. Yeah, you continue to suffer, but you don't know what to eliminate from your life, then things get a lot tougher and you have to turn to a lot, a lot more drastic measures and medical treatments and, and other ways to try to get your body healthy that, that don't involve the simple elimination of, of a single allergen.
0: Well, it's nice that your narrative around struggling with your own personal issues with allergies uh, is part of the book, and and we get to see uh, some of the success that you've been able to achieve long-term through experimenting with different interventions.
1: Yes, exactly. This is really really personal for me. Um, In fact, this might be probably the the most personal book I've ever written, um, since allergies is really the only ongoing medical challenge I've, I've ever had. And something I've learned for myself, as well as many of my patients, is that Uh, For a lot of people, allergies really begin in the gut. You know, they begin with your intestinal health. So no matter where your allergies are, such as your skin or your sinuses or your lungs, you really got to pay attention to your intestinal health. That's the key. And so for my patients, I like to limit antibiotics, you know, so you're not, uh, you know, uh, interfering with intestinal health and intestinal immunity. I like kids to be raised on very you know, low-sugar diets, low-junk food. Keep that to, that to a minimum because that really um, creates intest- more intestinal problems. And if you have intestinal symptoms, such as chronic diarrhea or chronic constipation, any signs of irritable bowel, you really want to focus on your gut health to try to get it more healthy because that will, in turn, help prevent or improve uh, any of your allergic problems?
0: Well, it's interesting. Having hosted this show for many years, you know, maybe ten, fifteen years ago, when a naturopath or a holistic medical doctor would talk about minimizing antibiotics, it might have been perceived as anti-science. But not only are we now seeing that that the research around antibiotics in most ear infections or bronchitis are, aren't showing uh, great benefit in most cases, but you cite some really interesting things about early antibiotic use. For instance, um, the earlier, the first time a child has antibiotics, the higher incidence of allergies later. But also multiple uses of antibiotics before the age of two doubles the risk of asthma, which seems pretty remarkable as a a statistic. So it seems like in in a variety of ways, limiting antibiotics to really the the most clear-cut cases seems to be uh, warranted uh, and also for community responsibility around antibiotic resistance.
1: Exactly. And, and the whole key to a lot of our immune problems and our allergic problems are the healthy germs that are living in our intestines. You know, you know we, we have trillions of healthy bacteria that live in the gut that help balance the immune system. They help us digest food. They help determine whether or not our body is going to have an allergic reaction to foods. And those bacteria really live in in a symbiotic relationship with our body. We need those bacteria to be healthy. And when they're not healthy, when when we kill off some of those healthy bacteria, we allow unhealthy bacteria to overgrow. Unhealthy germs, uh, uh, yeast overgrowth. When, when all these unhealthy germs overgrow, they take over the intestines, and then the, that whole symbiotic relationship is destroyed, and we really suffer for it. And there are a lot of areas in medicine, especially with um, inflammatory bowel diseases and any chronic intestinal problems, there's, there's a lot of research focusing on how to maximize the healthy bacteria within your gut to really uh, eliminate those kinds of uh, chronic health issues and so that's that's why not only avoiding antibiotics is important but eating probiotic rich foods foods that have a lot of these healthy bacteria like like healthy yogurt or homemade cream cheese or, 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 or sour cream rather homemade uh, kefir um, cultured vegetable dishes like, like kimchi and then sauerkraut um, Drinking probiotic rich drinks like a kombucha is a common one all these these healthy probiotic rich foods really rep- re- replenish the gut with the healthy germs, and I think those do play a, a significant role in a, in allergic disor- disorders
0: you have to wonder if maybe at some point we 'll rethink uh, elective c sections given the bacteria exposure you get from a vaginal birth. Yeah. And then, and then also the automatic use of antibiotics in in most conventional uh, birth settings.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a catch twenty um, two. You know, our, you know baby's very first introduction into life is the the healthy bacteria that mom has in the in the birth canal. Babies are bathed with with that bacteria, and those bacteria go in and, and colonize baby's system. That's how nature's designed. Uh, nature designed us. And when a baby um is born by C section, the baby doesn't get that first introduction. Or if the delivery is complicated by the use of antibiotics, then the some of those bacteria are destroyed during the process and baby doesn't get a, as good a, a good a dose. Um on the other hand, you know, C sections sometimes are necessary to save baby's life, save sure. mom's life. Um so you you really want to balance and I think the key is the avoidance of unnecessary C-sections and unnecessary antibiotics, uh, I think that's something that, that our medical community has to shift towards. Every, you know, every mom and, and baby you're considering doing a C-section to or giving antibiotics to, the, the, the long-term health consequences must be weighed in that decision. Um, and help the families, you know, d- decide, make an educated decision instead of just saying, "Hey, maybe we should do a C-section." You know, l- let's go ahead and do it, and not, and not consider, you know, all the possible ramifications.
0: In case you just tuned in, we're talking to Dr. Robert Sears, co-author of the book "The Allergy Book: Solving Your Family's Nasal Allergies, Asthma, Food Sensitivities, and Related Health and Behavioral Problems." Dr. Sears, uh, for a long time, people assumed that. Uh, not introducing foods too early was a good idea to avoid developing food allergies, for instance. And now that seems, with uh, a lot of research coming out, to be a much more muddled picture. Uh, In fact, some of the science suggests exposing people earlier might actually have some benefit in not developing allergies, which seems counterintuitive to what we used to think. So how do you sort through conflicting data in this area around Avoiding potential allergies or introducing and exposing people to potential allergies?
1: yeah that, that is a great question, and my advice has changed on this in recent years. Um, I think no longer do doctors believe that we should avoid all the allergenic foods like peanuts and eggs and fish, um, other nuts. Um, you know we, we used to say, you know we used to say, don't feed those foods until your kids are two. Then we said, "Don't feed them until their kids are one." Now uh, the medical community is kind of admitting that we really just don't know. Um, you know, some cultures around the world that introduce peanuts at an early age, even as as early as six months, those kids uh, almost never have peanut allergy. Um, you know, introducing eggs early or. Uh, even a wheat um, early on, we think might actually be protective. And so my my most up-to-date advice on this really is um, I admit to the patients that we don't know exactly what the best advice is. You have to consider your own intuition as a parent. But I do now encourage parents, um, you know, by the time their baby is about nine months of age, they should uh, you know gradually introduce a little bit of peanut butter you know, a little bit of eggs, fish, um, a little bit of wheat yogurt, uh, pr- you know pretty much all the things that the kids might tend to be allergic to. You do it you know one at a time you know in very small amounts and and, and see how your child handles them, but even more importantly, you want to introduce these foods while still breastfeeding we 've actually found specifically for wheat introduction that if you introduce a baby to uh, wheat products while still breastfeeding, you lower the risk of wheat allergy as they get older. Something about breast milk helps uh, manage the introduction of these foods to your immune system and helps protect you from being allergic to them. So, yeah, I encourage people to, to talk to their own doctor about the most up-to-date information on this, and I kind of lay out in the book, um, what I feel are the most current guidelines on on when to introduce these foods
0: well, another really fascinating area for me was the research that you cite on immunotherapy, uh, more commonly known as allergy shots and it, it looks like there's quite an upside to doing allergy shots f- throughout life in the sense that if you do allergy shots for chronic nasal allergies, it significantly lowers the risk of developing asthma later on. And if you do it for one allergy, then it's less likely that you're going to develop another allergy later on in your life. That's very fascinating information that I wonder if, if it's really getting out there the way it should.
1: Right. We we know if, if someone is um uh say uh, has nasal allergies as a child and this is a lot of kids, you know, nationwide, if you simply have nasal allergies and you don't do anything about it, then you then you again you have a risk of developing asthma as you get older. Research has found that if you use allergy shots to eliminate your nasal allergies, then you actually lower your risk of of moving on to asthma. And that is something a lot of people don't know. And I'll admit, as a younger doctor, I didn't used to know that. Um, so I, you know, I was able to learn a lot of uh, new ideas from researching and and, and writing this book. So. Nowadays, every kid that I see with nasal allergies, and, you know, I do testing. We try to eliminate what's causing it. We try to get them to be healthy. But if we can't solve it, I do. I, I often more and more now am recommending allergy shots to be considered and, and consulted with with an allergy specialist before the child develops any signs of asthma because that might be a, you know, a life-changing uh move for them to make um you know and it's key that you do this before um asthma develops and as a quick uh, list you know the, the things that we do know allergy shots can possibly eliminate are um, grass allergies ragweed some tree pollens cats and dog allergies dust allergies cockroaches allergies and mold allergies those are all the things that we have allergy shots um and then they're developing some techniques for, for these in, in regards to food allergies as well, but that's still um, in the research phase. But you know, talk to your doctor about, about you know, the most up-to-date information and, and ask him whether or not allergy shots might be an option for you.
0: And then what do you do, Dr. Sears, with, with patients with asthma? What are, what are some of the approaches that you take particularly to sorting out a good uh, evaluation and treatment protocol?
1: Yeah, yeah, not only testing to see what you're allergic to and not only making sure your intestines are healthy with healthy diets, Um a few other things. You know, definitely don't be afraid to use prescription inhalers. They can really help, and sometimes they are, they are really needed. Um, um, but you definitely want to, to look through uh, some of the options on special diets. You know, for me, uh, following a paleo style of eating as well as being gluten-free, to lower my, my body's uh, infl- inflammation reaction to wheat, I think really made a, a big difference for for my asthma. Um, uh, eating a lot of healthy fish sometimes uh, helps reduce inflammation. Um, I found actually um, you can buy um, uh, uh, salt like uh, hard, you know, like hard salt crystals from from the Himalayan mountains. It's called Himalayan crystal salts. You put those in a jar and you shake it up and you breathe some of the salty air out of this jar. The salt can actually be nice and healing on the lungs, and I've found it sometimes helps helps calm down some of my asthmatic symptoms. Um, interestingly, you know, some of the traditional Chinese medicine techniques and, and herbs sometimes help asthma. In addition to um, um, uh, acupuncture, it is actually has some, some good research behind it. Um, there's a, there's a lot of things people should really look into and consider when they're uh, trying to solve their chronic asthma problems.
0: Well, you mentioned gluten as one possible thing to explore, and, and that definitely seems to be uh, in the air right now. Lots of our guests are talking about gluten-free diets. Do you feel like that much of this upsurge in, in gluten allergies is a real physical phenomenon, and how and how much of it do you feel like is is partly a fad, for instance?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I, for certainly for some people, they might just be following it as a fad. But, but I would say in my medical practice, what I'm witnessing before me in my patients, as well as my own battle with asthma, I, I truly believe that some people are definitely allergic or sensitive to it. We know 1% of our population is severely uh, allergic to gluten in the form of what's called celiac disease. I was surprised that celiac disease affects 1% of us. One in 100 people walking around has that severe form of of gluten allergy. Um, But then I would say a good 5% of us probably are uh, uh, at least somewhat sensitive to gluten and and certainly might be able to benefit from a gluten-free diet. I mean, there's no harm in trying it. It takes a lot of, you know... uh, research and a lot of uh, self-control and, and understanding, but it's certainly not gonna, you're not going to harm your nutrition. You're not going to leave yourself deficient in anything when you try a gluten-free diet, and you might find you're better off for it.
0: Well, let's, in the final minutes of the show, perhaps you can mention some of the best anti-allergy foods and some of your favorite supplements that you will use for, for prevention and treatment.
1: Yeah, my dad. Uh, my dad came came up with what he calls the 5S diet, um, the five areas that might help um, prevent uh, allergies and inflammation. And first, mean, the first one is seafood, especially wild salmon. The next thing is uh, drink smoothies. Fill your smoothies with a lot of uh, colorful fruits and berries and, and vegetables because those those plant based uh, nutrients are very anti inflammatory. Eat a lot of salads. I tell the young kids in my practice, you've got to eat a, a, a vegetable or a berry that's from every color of the rainbow every single week. And when you're shopping with mom or dad, make sure you get, you know, one of each of those seven colors in your basket because you've got to make some salads and eat those for dinner every week because that's going to go a long ways. Um, and there's certain spices like, like turmeric and cinnamon and, and various other spices that, you know, uh, can help um, – uh, you know, prevent uh, inflammation and allergies. And then, um, yeah, you know, we, we know some of supplements like vitamin D, probiotic supplements. Um, those are two some of the other key vitamins people can take to help uh, reduce allergies as well.
0: And are you an advocate of fish oils for yeah. or omega threes yeah. for for allergies? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, it's always going to be healthier just to eat fish directly, especially wild salmon. But if you're not a fish eater or or you want to just bump up your fish oil intake in general, absolutely. There's a lot of good research showing um, fish oil supplementation helps uh, inflammation and allergies.
0: And do you have any thoughts specifically on dosage around that?
1: You know what? People tend to to underdose fish oils. I, I would say, you know, with the permission of your doctor, it's certainly safe to probably take twice. The dose that the, that the label recommends for you I'll typically have people take at least one thousand milligrams of the omega three component of a fish oil, but even two or three thousand milligrams a day and with the permission of of a doctor or nutritionist. Um, can be uh, useful for people with inflammation,
0: and and you mentioned vitamin D, and I, I often think of vitamin D for for bone health or um, perhaps for seasonal affective disorder. Tell us about why we people should know their vitamin D status in regards to allergic responses.
1: Well, there, there there have actually been been a number of research studies. I don't know how many dozens of them that has shown those with a low D level. Uh, increase the risk of allergies. Um, And, you know, first of all, go outside, you know, live outside. Um, we're, We're an indoor society. We really need to be outside, soaking up the sun's rays. You know, you don't want to get a sunburn, of course, but spend hours outside every day so your body, you know, builds its own natural vitamin D. But if you can't do that or you get a level checked and it's still low, yeah, you know, supplement with vitamin D. You've got to take some pretty hefty doses with your doctor's guidance to, to raise your vitamin D level. Um, work at that and don't give up, especially if you have an allergic problem and you might actually see your, uh, your, your allergies diminish when you get your vitamin D level up.
0: And lastly, any tips on how to do probiotic supplementation? You'd mentioned that as another possible uh, tool to use. What should people be looking for?
1: You know, you want to get a probiotic that has uh, many different species in it, um, and you want to dose it in a matter, in a matter of uh, tens of billions, um, you know, you want to get something that says, say, every capsule has 10 billion, you know, organisms in it, or 50 billion organisms organisms in it. Um, take it every day. Um, but, but again, you don't just rely on pills. You know, sometimes it's better to rely on natural foods, like uh, like healthy, you know, Greek yogurt or uh, kefir drinks that have a lot, you know very rich in probiotics or kombucha. Um, Sauerkraut. I think I mentioned earlier. You know, it's not always about pills. It's also about eating healthy and using food to heal your body. Um, so definitely make probiotic-rich foods, you know, part of your daily diet, and you might find your allergies improve.
0: Do you have a website you could point our listeners to?
1: You know, I'm, I'm mostly these days on on my uh, Doctor Bob Sears uh, Facebook page, I'm. I'm just starting to get up uh, my uh, drbobsdaily.com website. We've also had our family website, askdrsears.com. That's kind of been our old standby for many years. So, yeah, people can check us out uh, any of those places.
0: Well, it's great having you on HealthWatch today, Dr. Sears.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks a
0: lot. We're talking today to Dr. Robert Sears, the author or co-author of the allergy book, Solving Your Family's Nasal Allergies, Asthma, Food Sensitivities, and Related Health and Behavioral Problems. You've been listening to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naaman, your host. Stay tuned for the rest of the Monday morning radio zine.